This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%, so I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive. It is the SI Fantasy Podcast each and every week, twice a week, actually. And joining me today are Michael Fabiano and Dr. Roto, our senior fantasy analyst over here at SI.com. All right, a lot of meat on the bone in this episode right here as we get closer and closer to kickoff of the 2020 season. We're starting to get some news trickle out. And Fabs, we have one of the biggest, really, off-season stories right now. Just happened, just broke this morning. Leonard Fournette has been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Take me to your thought process what happens in Jacksonville and what happens with Fournette moving forward? Weird timing, right? Because you've got a guy who is the featured back of a team still in his prime and you're suddenly releasing him. I know there's been issues with this team and, and Fournette in the past. They had tried to trade him in the offseason. Apparently they tried to trade him more recently than that and they weren't getting any offers on him. Like nothing. So Here's the situation in Jacksonville right now. I would think Raquel Armstead would be the favorite to start, but this is very likely to be a backfield committee that also includes Devin Ozigbo, uh, potentially uh, Chris Thompson playing a bigger role as a pass catcher. Remember, he has got a lot of experience in this offense during his time together with Jay Gruden in Washington. James Robinson is also in the mix as well. So none of these guys are going to end up being worth more than a flex start in most fantasy leagues. If you're in a PPR league, Chris Thompson might be the best option. Who knows? But at this point, I would project that Armstead will be the first Jaguars running back picked in most fantasy drafts. As for Fournette, there's a lot of teams that could use him, and none of them, from a fantasy perspective, are going to do anything but blow up somebody's value. Maybe he ends up in Chicago. David Montgomery, goodbye. Maybe he ends up with the Jets. Le'Veon Bell, backfield committee. Could he end up in Tampa Bay? Maybe that's the best-case scenario from a fantasy perspective. I've also talked to some people uh, who are very close to the Jaguars who say that Fournette wants to go to L.A., and he's very close with Jalen Ramsey. So does he go to the Rams? And that would blow up Cam Akers. No matter what happens, it's not going to be good from a fantasy perspective. Interesting stuff right there. Doc, I want to get your take. Hop in there and break it down for me. What do you see playing out for Fournette, and what do you see playing out in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think the Jaguars are the worst-run organization outside of the Jets, really, in the NFL. I mean, why would you give up a draft pick for a guy that you knew that you were going to release him at some point? Seriously, the NFL's not silly. They they get it. I mean, the, the Jaguars were never in. So a lot of people are going to go right to Reichwell Armstead. I'm not going to be that guy. A lot of people are going to go right to Chris Thompson, which I think makes sense in PPR leagues. I like Divine Azigbo a lot, and I really like this kid, James Robinson. I think he's a name not to own week one or week two. Leave him on your waiver wire. Probably about week eight or nine, you're going to see this kid emerge. I think he's the real deal. I think as, that could be. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doc. Yeah. As for Fournette, man, it's a mess. I, I think, you know, you're going to laugh. I think the Jets seem like a reasonable spot. I, Adam Gase has no interest in Le'Veon Bell. He's already talked about reducing his carries. Uh, maybe he fits there. There is some cap room. I know Fournette wants to go to LA, but Cam Akers is a good player. 
And I think Daryl Henderson, they got two young kids. I don't think it makes sense to bring a Fournette in there. I think a lot of people are talking about the Bears. That makes sense. But I think the two teams that make the most sense to me are the Buccaneers and the Jets. I think he'd be a great fit in the Buccaneers who are trying to win now. And you're not going to win with Rojo, but you could win with Leonard Fournette. I would not sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers getting involved in this situation right here, and obviously that blows up James Conner, as Fabs, you mentioned earlier. Every situation that he could possibly land up, it ends up shuffling the deck, especially for fantasy football purposes, but that's not the way they play. That is the way we played. When you look at the situation with the New York Jets, my God, I hope it's not, because Le'Veon Bell deserves better than this. Le'Veon Bell is still a good running back. I'm sure Le'Veon Bell's in good shape. Mike, they said he came back looking slow, and I'm just like, you know what? I am fed up with Adam Gase. He is going to ruin Le'Veon Bell. Going to. He already has. <laughs> I mean, look at what happened last year. Jesus. And you also you also have seen reports that Frank Gore has been the best running back in Jets camp. And he's 37 years old for crying out loud. I he's mean, it's 47. Just un- he gets older I mean, every it's, minute. It's unbelievable. So Adam Gase, whatever he touches, it dies. I mean, ever since his time in Denver, where, by the way, he should sign over half of any paycheck that he gets to Peyton Manning, no matter where he is, because that is why he has been given these opportunities. The Jets are an absolute mess. Their wide receiver core is banged up. Chris Hogan is running with the ones. I feel terrible for Sam Darnold. And Le'Veon Bell right now is a risk. Like, I don't want him unless he's a flex starter, and I'm probably not going to get him there because he's got name value, so people are going to want to draft him as their RB2. I I mean, I'm not not at a point where I'm off Le'Veon Bell because as a flex starter, I'll take him all day long, but, man, it's getting close. Doc, I just look at the talent, and I have him in a league, too, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I let – Atkins make me make this mistake. I'm not going to blame him now. Because I, I I do, I listen, I like Bill. I love the talent. You know what I'm saying? He runs patient. He doesn't run slow. He had a Jets offensive line, not the best doc. But when I look at it, see, here's the thing. This is the Adam Gase move. You reduce his playing time. You put out negative stories about him in the media. Then he becomes a malcontent, which makes it easier to get him off the team. Absolutely. That's the MO. And then when the guy goes to, I don't know, let's say Arizona and he blows up as a great player or he's Jay Ajayi and he becomes great. And then it goes back against Gase because you're like, what did this guy miss? Gase never wanted Le'Veon Bell from day one. And that was the biggest problem there. So he was stuck with this big contract for a guy he didn't want. And now he's trying to get him out at at all costs. So it's a shame because I think Bell has a lot of game. And if he was at the right spot, he could be absolutely absolutely a first round fantasy pick. I don't think he's lost a step. I think Adam Gase has lost his mind and I think he's going to get fired this year. Lost his mind. I mean, hell that mind's been lost for a long time, dude. Like I just, I don't get why, why in the world the jets would ever hire a guy who was jettisoned from Miami. Their divisional arch rival makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's not like they were getting bill Parcells. It's Adam Gase. It just makes no sense. But you guys said it. The Jets are one of the worst run organizations in the National Football League. I mean, you babysat Peyton Manning, and then that lets you become like this must-have exactly. coach in the NFL. Exactly. Peyton Manning didn't need you to coach him. Peyton Manning is his own head coach. He gets he's his own quarterback coach. Matter of fact, Peyton Manning is coaching you. You come in here <laughs> with no track record of winning and start calling shots. The dude with the biggest wallet in the locker room is Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gates has a problem with that, and that's how it's going to go, Mike. Yep. No doubt about that. So the the Jets right now, I mean, outside, like we like Jamison Crowder. We like Chris Herndon late. There are no guarantees uh, in that offense. And again, I feel terrible for Sam Darnold because he is getting a raw deal. The Jets are not doing him any favors in terms of the talent they're bringing in in that passing game. And when they do bring a talented guy, 
Adam Gase wrecks his value. <laughs> Doc, what what do, you, what do you think, Doc? With Donald in a two quarterback league, or you know, is there any jet you're interested in outside of Frank Gore? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Frank Gore is on right high on my list. No, I absolutely love Jameson Crowder. Okay, because I think he's one of the, he's like a slot machine. It just pays off, right? You're not gonna maybe get a lot of touchdowns, but you could get what eight for sixty eight each week, seven for seventy. So you're looking at twelve to sixteen points a week. Nothing wrong with that in PPR. I do like Chris Herndon, and look, if I like Crowder and I like Herndon, then Sam Darnold, look, they're going to be behind in most games, and he's going to be flinging it. And I think he's got he's aggressive, and I think he's gotten better. I mean, I won't say he's really improved drastically under Adam Gase, but I think he's gotten better on his own. So would I take him? in a, a super flex league maybe as my third quarterback but I do like Crowder a bit and I do like Herndon. Alright there you go off and rolling SI Fantasy Podcast let's take a minute to settle it down right here definitely has some big news at the up at the top with Leonard Fournette kind of morphed into the Le'Veon Bell situation so I kind of want to bring it back don't forget play FFWC if you want to put some of these strategies to, to test and also SI Fantasy Plus the rankings the cheat sheets everything to get you ready for your draft, and then the tools to keep you prepared throughout the course of the season. So some of the top minds in fantasy sports, SI Fantasy Plus, sign up and win your league in 2020. All right, so let's get ready to um to hop over and talk about some of the more some more of the big news that's been going on this week. Mike, I want to hop in on this Jalen Rieger situation, likely out three to four weeks of missed start of the season. When you look at the Philadelphia wide receiving crew, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a buying opportunity on JJ Arcego Whiteside. You like Arcego Whiteside? Arcego Whiteside scares me because you know he is a guy who who came in with a lot of hype and really floundered last season. And I get it, you know, it's a short sample size, and uh, he's potentially have an opportunity. What happens if Alshon Jeffrey comes back in time for Week One? Like we have no idea. So you could end up with a week one starting lineup of Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, who I think sees the biggest increase in value, and Arthega Whiteside, or it could be Deshaun Jackson, Arthega Whiteside, and then Greg Ward, right? So we right now at this point are unsure of what the Eagles wide receiver group is going to look like uh, when they go to three wide out sets. It all depends. On my XM show uh, about a week or so ago, you know, Adam Kaplan came on and said, there's an outside shot that Alshon Jeffrey's going to be ready for week one. So we're not sure. So at this point, Deshaun, if you haven't drafted yet, Deshaun Jackson, clearly the most viable Eagles wide receiver, no question about it, could end up being a wide receiver three based on the matchups until Rieger comes back. And Alshon Jeffrey is potentially worth a late-round flyer in a deeper league, in a best ball league. Same kind of thing with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. But let's also keep this in mind. Rieger, as good as he is and as much talent as he has, is a rookie wide receiver coming into a season with no preseason games and no OTAs. So how much of an impact could he really make this year? Like really from a fantasy perspective, maybe a wide receiver three from time to time, more of a wide receiver four. I feel like people were really pumping him up and I don't know that it was warranted. I like drafting him because of the ceiling, but I don't think he would end up being a guy that you're going to be starting week in and week out in fantasy. Doc, maybe it's just best that we stick to what we know. Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard. Is that the right way to attack the situation in Philadelphia? Because last year, Deshaun Jackson came out in week one, had a great game, and was out the rest of the season, basically. that's I think, I think he can give you four quarters. Well, look, I'd like to congratulate you and Fabs because I think the Dallas Cowboys are now going to win the NFC East. Thank so you. good luck. Congratulations, guys. I'm sure you're very happy. Just thanks for too. jinxing yeah. it, Doc. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> jinxing it with, with the, the Washington NFC football East, team and the Giants and oh, now the Eagles. Man. So look, here's the deal. 
Wentz is already banged up. Shock. Sanders, we love. We love Ertz. We love Goddard because they play the two tight ends. So I think Ertz and Goddard are, are have tremendous value. The wide receiver names, look, people are talking to Sean Jackson. And like you said, exec, for as long as he's healthy, he's going to be fine. Right? But are we going to get eight games, nine games? I don't know. Arthago Whiteside is interesting to me, but here's a name that I'm going to give you guys that nobody's talking about. John Hightower. He's got some speed. He could be that Marquise Goodwin type of guy, but that's how desperate it's become with the Philadelphia Eagles. Why don't they fix this? Hightower and Ward. You can't fix it. You have to wait for Jeffrey to come back and Rager to come back. And what you do is you run with Jackson, Arthur Whiteside, with Ertz and Goddard and Sanders and Scott, and you just hope those guys stay healthy for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, Mike, I think the value is in not even worrying about the receivers. Like, this, just, just take it out your mind, eliminate it. Like I said to Doc, go with what you know. And what you know is those tight ends and Miles Sanders. We like Miles Sanders. If we're drafting him in the top seven, top ten picks, it's for a reason. Right. Yeah, no, no question about that. Right. And from what we've heard, he should be fine for week one. Here's the one thing that we have to worry about now, boys. Philadelphia going to put in a claim for Fortnite? Please, no. No. Like in the Darth Vader voice from Revenge of the Sith, no. Please don't let that happen. I, I heard other people on Twitter saying, well, what if Kansas City? No. Don't let them go there either. There's a lot going on right now. Like say you have a draft tonight, okay? And Fournette, obviously you got 24 hours to give me on waivers. Do you postpone your draft? Because think about it, all right? Fournette can implode and will implode somebody's fantasy value, right? If he goes to Chicago, it's David Montgomery. If he goes to the Jets, it's Le'Veon Bell. If he goes to Philadelphia, it's Miles Sanders. Right? Do you yeah. want to go Why into your I delay draft? my draft? Isn't it caveat emptor like Mike Brady said on the Brady Bunch? You you take Fournette. It's at your own risk. You, right, take, exactly. you have to know these things. Exactly. But it's the other situations. No Mike is talking about the other situations. Yeah, right. No, still, it's a part right. of the strategy game, no? Right. I'd, I'd rather know. It's not like draft nights are set in stone. I already have people. I know for a fact. I'm in leagues with people who would have been like, hey, man, let's have this draft after Fournette has a chance to go someplace. Like, let him be picked up, and then let's do the draft. There's already so much uncertainty because of COVID and because of injuries that are going to happen that are happening. Why do we have another questionable situation that we're going to have to deal with in fantasy? See, Mike, if I, I'm I the commissioner of that. that league, I'm like, no, yeah. we're going to suck it up and yeah, we're going we to play the now. strategy game and well, we're why, going to draft why, it why? now. Because you, got, because you have to be macho and suck it up and just do no, a draft. Like, like you can't even schedule it then? agree on a time half. I, I, my league, we, we pick the draft date like two months in advance to get everybody there. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously people would have to be flexible, but if I have a draft tonight, I mean, I'd be asking my commissioner, any chance maybe we could do this in like 24 hours to give Fournette at least a shot to be picked up on waivers? Because it's a mess. Like, what, what happens if I go out and get Le'Veon Bell as my third running back and then he signed, Fournette signs with the Jets? Or I take David Montgomery as my RB4 and then he signs with the Bears? Like, to me, I just wait on the information to come out. If it doesn't come out in 24 hours, you have the draft. 24 hours it's is not in, that long it, to wait. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's not that long to wait. That is interesting. Listen, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are in on this Leonard Fournette thing. Oh, don't. Why do you I mean, say they've that? They've already I mean, got Benny six Snell running looks backs good. There. <laughs> Yeah, you've got McFarlane. You've got Jalen Samuels. You've got James Conner. I, I don't see it. I think the Jets fit. I think the Bucks fit. I think, uh, the, the, sadly, the Eagles kind of fit. And, you know, and, and, and the Bears. So, I mean, I, I don't see it. I, but some team may just take them. Why not? I mean, especially with COVID, who knows what will happen? Maybe at some point this season, he becomes usable. Atlanta Falcons are just running with Ty Gurley. 
Don't go there either. I got a lot of shares of Guru. Girl, you, I, don't want like that, I don't want that out there, man. Oh I, want, I don't want that out there. Every yeah, time, I hate all out there, running backs there. Oof. Every time like the third round rolls around and it's my turn at the turn and I'm like, I need an RB2. I'm going girly here. Like I'm like, don't sign in Atlanta. I mean, I get it. I get it too. But I think the best case scenario is Tampa, right? So if, if Fournette signed with Tampa or if Tampa claimed them off a of waiver, should I say, um, where would he go for you guys in drafts? Oh, that's interesting right there because you see if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was to snatch him up and put Leonard Fournette on their roster, then immediately you got to understand that he has a chance to catch footballs out of the backfield, which he can do. Not only that, he also has a chance to, to end off drives with touchdowns because you expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you saw the offense they had last year, you eliminate the turnovers, you put, a, you, know, you put somebody in there like Brady, and then you got more red zone opportunities and Fournette, Outside of the injuries, listen, when he's out there, he's a tough runner. He's a three-down runner. You put him on Tampa, then I think he becomes a late to mid-second rounder. Really? Whoa. I think he's, a, I think he's still – I think he's a third rounder still. The exact. Still a, a little, third rounder because you still have Ronald Jones. You still have Keyshawn Vaughn. You still have LaShawn McCoy. At that point, this becomes a rotation where I think Fournette gets the most, but I think he's looking at 15 touches, and that's probably the magic number. You know, Moving forward, Fournette goes from being a guy who could get 25 to 30 touches in his, you know, a few years ago to a guy who's getting maybe 14 to 18. But we're still talking about the fourth pick of the 2017 draft. He's still on his rookie contract. It's let's not act like Leonard Fournette is just like some, you know, this is not Ronald Jones. I didn't, but how is he going to get? Tw- how is he going to get 25 touches all of a sudden? He's the best one. He's the, the talent. Yeah, but you can't bring a guy in all of a sudden like that who doesn't know the offense, and now all of a sudden he's getting 25 touches. That takes time to ramp up to that. Mike, you still saying a, a third rounder? Uh, no, I, I didn't say third round. I'm thinking top 50 towards the end, best case scenario. If okay. he goes to Tampa Bay, he's going to be the starter at some point, right? Because you're not going to bring that guy. The Buccaneers want to win now. Now. Tom Brady's 43 years old. They got to win now. And the weakness in that in that offense is the backfield at least from my perspective. And Fournette would be a huge upgrade over Ronald Jones and a huge upgrade over Keyshawn Vaughn and a huge upgrade over LeSean McCoy. Talking running backs is always a very big part of fantasy football. It seems like, you know, we're going to spend like the entire year talking about running backs because of the, the nature of the position they play with the injuries. You see so many split backfields. It's hard to focus it on one guy. And throughout the course of the year, so many fab dollars will get blown going to the waiver wire SI Fantasy Plus. We'll make sure that we got you updated and, and locked in. Uh, the Detroit Lions situation, DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson, my lord. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Doc, I, I stock. What the, I, I love Swift. I think Swift's a player. I need him to be healthy, though. I think Johnson's a player, too. He's proven already that he can't be healthy. Doc, what are you doing with the, with the, the Lions backfield? I'll buy the, I'll buy the, 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 um, the 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 the, the real, you know the lower price on Swift. Yeah, I'm kind of avoiding this. I know you love your University of Georgia running backs, exactly. Herschel Walker. Yeah, well, that's where it starts Herschel, from, right? Rodney uh, Hampton. Rodney I mean, Hampton. geez, there's a ton of them. Terrell yeah. Davis, Todd Gurley. Heck yeah. Also, but the thing with Swift is, I like him, but it's it's almost like a lion's curse. You know, the running backs get to the Lions outside of Barry Sanders, and they just can't seem to stay healthy. I loved Carrion Johnson. I thought he was a late second, early third round pick the last year. And now I thought Swift could have been maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. But now it just seems like a real mess. You've got two of these guys. How, how many touches are they going to get? Here's my theory. If I'm going to start getting, 
dealing with guys who are getting you know, mixed touches in terms of I don't know how many per week, then I want guys who are pass catching backs. And it, do I know for sure that Swift is that guy there on third downs? I don't know that yet. So I think I'm avoiding this situation. I think I like Stafford. I like Galladay. I like Jones. And I can live with TJ Hawkinson, who's still not 100%. In terms of the Lions running game, I think it's an avoid for me. Mike, I tell you what, this is the year, and we see in our and we see in our staff league slow draft, which we're going through right now, and you can draft like that too. Playffwc.com. The running back, running back in the first two rounds, it's got to be the way to go this year because there's so many situations that we just don't know about. This Detroit Lions case being one of those. Yeah, man, I, I've been doing that for the most part in most of my drafts. In our draft here that we're doing the best ball league, I started off. I had the 12th overall pick, so I went mixing. I was surprised that Joe fell to, fell to me at that point. I'm guessing people are a little worried about uh, the fact that he's missed some time, uh, but uh, he's going to be fine. And then Austin Eckler. So I feel pretty good about that backfield. But you absolutely have to do that because Leonard Fournette was in a lot of people's plans as a running back too, like him or not. The volume was going to be there. A positive touchdown regression was coming. And now with Fournette gone, you can't tell me that you can lean on Raquel Armstead to put up those kind of numbers. This is not going to happen. It's going to be a committee in Jacksonville. Imagine, unless they sign Devonta Freeman. Imagine that. Why would you do that? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think it's going to happen, but boy, it's it's already been a weird year, so who the hell knows? But for me, that will hurt the top of that running back position because Fournette now is out of the mix as an RB2 altogether. So, this, this, but, 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 but I want, I, I, everything you said was correct, especially when it comes to draft day. But as far as the Lions situation, is that something that you're avoiding altogether? I would take the discount on Swift, as you mentioned. If Swift starts falling sixth, seventh round, heck yeah, I'm going to take him there. I like the upside. Georgia back, a guy who I feel like could end up being the lead back in Detroit because we mentioned Carryon Johnson is not a durable guy. So I would take the discount. It's like sometimes these running backs, Doc, like a Carryon Johnson, like a Lennon Fournette, you will see a lot of these SEC backs really outside the Georgia backs they carry the football too much in college. So by the time they get to the NFL, a lot of times, you know what I'm saying, their wheels have already have already spun. And then, you know, you also, speaking of another SEC back, you know, Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, that situation in New England. So I just want to come with your thoughts, Doc, on the New England backfield and just how you're, and how you're attacking the running back position moving forward between now and the season start in these last couple drafts. Well, look, uh, let me just address the SEC backs for a second. Sometimes mm-hmm. they go into a great situation. Sony Michelle going to the Patriots, that's a great situation. Leonard Fournette, the situation in Jacksonville was, was sketchy, right? The, he wants to win. When Jacksonville was close to making the Super Bowl, he, w- he was invigorated. Then all of a sudden, now that they're, they're getting rid of everybody, well, why do you want to play there? These guys, they play at LSU, they play at Alabama, they play at Georgia. They, they are conditioned to win. They don't like losing. So I can't blame Leonard Fournette for getting out of there. In terms of the New England Patriots, James White is a a great, great player in a PPR format. He is a guy that I think people should be targeting in that seventh or eighth round. You know I'm not touching Sony Michelle this year. I think the interesting guy there is Damian Harris. I think he's got a lot of ability. I think that he's looked great in, in practice, and he's going to get his opportunity. So will he succeed with that opportunity? I don't know, but I know he's going to be given that opportunity because Michelle can't get 24 carries a game. To answer your last question, I think in terms of what, what Fab said before is absolutely correct. 
You want to get running backs who you know their job description. Are they getting 20 rushes, rushing attempts? Are they getting the, the, the catches out of the backfield? Austin Eckler, you know what, you know his role. You need to know their roles because if you don't know their roles, you're either going to get lucky and win your league or you're going to lose your league. All right, some good running back talk. Very important position. My man, the King, Scott Engle, would always say that running backs were the lifeblood of fantasy football. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out um, this season with those two guys right there. Uh, Mike, let's talk some wide receivers right quick before we get ready to get on up out of here. Cooper Cup, low ankle um, sprain, sideline for the Rams. I like Cooper Cup a lot. I think he's the number one wide receiver out there. I think he's the receiver that you want to have on your roster, more so than Robert Woods. How are you attacking that Rams wide receiver? Are you you even looking at it at all? Yeah, absolutely. Cooper Cup is the guy for me, but Robert Woods is very, very close behind him. Uh, Just real quick, one update. Uh, My buddy Adam Kaplan is reporting now that Alshon Jeffrey is likely to miss the season opener, but he could return to the Eagles sometime in September. So that's something to keep an eye out for because if Alshon Jeffrey is back when he comes back, he clearly will be one of the most targeted players in that passing game if he is healthy. Uh, And Adam also was reporting that Miles Sanders, that that lower body injury is a hamstring injury, soft tissue injury. My God, it is going to be an absolute headache all season long for anybody out there who's got players with soft tissue injury. So make sure you keep tabs on the status of Miles Sanders here because He's still not doing much. And the closer we get to the regular season and suddenly it's a hamstring injury and those things tend to linger. Miles Sanders may come with a little more risk than, uh, than we all sort of want at this point. So uh, keep tabs on, on the status of both of those Eagles moving forward. Interesting stuff, doc. You know what, doc? I don't see how you cannot like you are so anti best ball doc. And this is the year for best ball, Doc. There's never a year for best ball. There's never a year year to draft it and let it go, Doc. Listen to me. I win leagues. You know this, okay? High stake winner, second overall, six overall, you you know, mock draft, everything, right? Here's why. Because I know how to work a waiver wire. Because I use my skill set. Best ball, the skill set you draft, and then you set it and forget it. I don't want to forget my teams. Usually when I have best ball, I forget to even check my how my teams but are doing. I don't want to be picking up Boston Scott and, and Ozegwe or whatever son name but is. That's, <laughs> how, that's how great champions in fantasy football are built, exec. It's going and finding Divine Ozigbo. It's going to find Boston Scott. It's picking them up in, in week 13 and winning your league. It's not you know drafting in, in August and then saying in December, oh, I won. I just I have no interest in best ball i hope everybody enjoys it who enjoys it and the beauty of fantasy football is this you can find a game that suits you you want to be in a td only league go do it you want to do super flex go do it i know my you know right what i'm my my wheel what's the word i'm looking for you're looking you know your wheelhouse doc thank you the wheelhouse i can't even remember the word but i know it so i'm telling you my wheelhouse is seasonal ppr leagues and book it when i tell you what players are going to come up that's what's going to happen Fabs, you got to make, come on, Fabs. You, this is the year. This is the year. Michael Fabiano, half like a million you. followers on Twitter. Tell them that this is the year. Best ball is fun, dude. It's fun, but I, I like a mix because okay. I, I agree with Doc says where you know I want to be invested in my teams. But when you do what we do, you end up having too many damn teams. And then you can't really be invested as much as you want 
So if you want to have a little bit more fun and be a little bit more involved, then you do a bunch of best ball because I don't want to have to run 15 seasonal leagues. I don't. It, I, listen, it'll drive me nuts and I will never be able to run those teams efficiently and how I want to run them. So if I'm doing maybe 10 redrafts, maybe 12 max, max, and then I get myself in eight best ball leagues, that's fine with me. Yeah, uh, yeah listen, it's to each his own and, um, you know, it's different ways to, 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 to skin the fantasy cat. As one would say, I'm just a doc could get a good laugh out of that one. Um, but I, I just like, listen, I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, I don't want to say that the love is not there. That would never be the case. The love is always there. But you look at how much we're doing now with, 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 uh, with DFS and with, and, and with betting on, you know, the lines and the spreads and prop bets out there and stuff like that. And it's like, do you, I don't really know if I want to spend my Sunday mornings. Right. You don't want to do the work and that's okay. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it. You don't want to do the work. And the truth is, is that if you're willing to put in the work, you, you those, the seasonal leagues are better. If you don't want to put, you have to know yourself exact. And I think, you know, yourself, you know, you're not going to put in that kind of work and that's okay. But I mean, I'll put in the work on 20 redraft leagues and DFS, but not everybody does that. You got to be committed to it. Yeah, I can't do that. My girlfriend would leave me. That would be the end. I'd have no time to spend with my son. That would be a disaster. And, you know, Doc, you're right in that you want to be invested in, in a team. But when you don't have enough time to do it, I feel like and I can see Corey's part where, hey, man, I do my draft and then I'm out and I see what happens and you go from there. And it, especially in a season like this with COVID, uh, you basically don't have to worry about setting your lineup. I think a little bit of a mix of both is very good, but everybody's situation is different. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. Before we get ready to hop up out of here, fellas, I do got one player, one person that I want to ask each of you about, and Doc, I will start with you. Last year coming into the season, I was not in on DK Metcalf. I thought, like, his bodybuilders are not football players. It turns out DK Metcalf is a bodybuilder and a football player, and he played the wide receiver position very well for a team where he should get a lot of targets. What do you think about Metcalf this year? I don't have any... Um, I don't have any, I don't, I don't, I don't, man, he's not on any of my rosters. What do you think about Metcalf this year? It's so funny you say that exact, because I felt the same way. I'm like, can this guy succeed if he, he's not as agile as he should be, uh, at, in the combine, but man, he is a physical specimen and I'm a, I'm a convert. I think he's a stud. I do. I have him in my home league and it's an auction league and I'm protecting him at $13. And that is a steal to me. I think he's good and he's going to be great. I think if you're getting him right now in round five as your third receiver, you're, you can win your fantasy league easily. I think this it's all about now the Seattle Seahawks and letting Russell Wilson throw the football. Free Russell Wilson. Let him throw to Lockett. Let him throw to Metcalf. You've got Greg Olson there. You've got, you've got guys, but Metcalf could be special if the Seahawks will pass the football. Mike, before we get up out of here, let me get your commentary on one Mr. DK Metcalf. What do you expect from him this season? He's got a lot of room for statistical improvement. I mean, you look at his numbers last year. He wasn't even a top 25 fantasy wide receiver. So the ceiling is certainly there. No question about that. I've got Tyler Lockett ranked higher than DK Metcalf. Interesting. But if I, can, if I can get Metcalf as my three, I feel pretty good about it, which means three flex starter week in and week out, maybe playing the matchups a little bit because Seattle at the end of the day is a team that wants to run the football. And whether or not they, as you guys mentioned, you'll free Russell Wilson, that remains to be seen. This is a guy who who throws for 30 touchdown passes just about every single year when you look at his numbers. So Metcalf, after playing a prominent role last year, has the experience. That's big. Now he goes into season two, and I feel like he can give you 
65 catches, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, somewhere in those territories. I don't expect him to like blow up, say like Juju did during his rookie campaign. I don't expect that kind of explosion from the statistical perspective, but I think he can be a very strong wide receiver three, even movie, maybe move up into that wide receiver two territory. All right, good stuff, Doc. Good stuff, Fabs. Don't forget to SI Fantasy Podcast. Subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. SI Fantasy Plus. You know you got drafts coming up. You know you want to win your league. You hear what Dr. Roto say. He, we, he win leagues. He scoured the waiver wire. He's going to be in there. Michael Fabiano to sit, start, all of that good stuff. I'm your boy, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. For my man, Dr. Roto and Michael Fabiano, we are out.